Hey everyone, you're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be diving into what's top of mind for us right now, where we'll talk about the most timely and relevant topics that are probably in the minds of a lot of people out there in the HR world. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Modern People Leader. Hello. Great, great to have Hi. you. Yeah. So this is this is our third HR Leader group chat. And uh, yeah, brought back a few of our previous guests. Um, today we have our good friends from the Boston HR scene. Uh, on the line, we have Libby from Expel and Sarah from Pega. It's great to have you all here again. Yeah, great was, to be here. Thank I you. Know, how have you all been? What's new? <laughs> <laughs> we were just saying before how this year has just flown by. Like we don't, it's hard to conceptualize time at this point. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's September is just making me feel like I'm crazy. Yeah, definitely feels like the summer has flown by and now it's kind of like, oh my goodness, now it's going to start to get busy for the fall season, but all good. Yeah. Yeah, I no. think because I think we're all working from home. So I feel like the, this integration of work and home life just is making things go by faster. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, things just always seem to start there. Like time's plotting time goes by faster, but now there's something happening that makes it feel even faster. Yeah. Like this past year and a half has completely flown by and, uh, yeah, we were just talking about this before we hit record, but I got engaged like six months ago and we're getting married around this time next year. So it's October, 2022. Steven got to save the date. Um, but yeah, got it, got it. I, I was just talking about it yesterday with, with Tori, my fiance. And I was like, it's going to be here before we know it. Like, it feels like it's a long time away, but if this next year is anything like the past year and a half. I feel like it's going to be here tomorrow. Yeah, completely. And congrats again on that. Thank you. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So um, the last time we did one of these, the way we kicked things off was we basically just opened the floor. And if there's anything that's top of mind for either of you that y'all want to talk about, this is, I guess, your opportunity to jump in. And then from there, we can, you know, get to some of the topics we want to talk about. Sure. That's good. There what's going something. on? What's keeping you guys, what's <laughs> keeping you guys up? What's preoccupying jump, you? Jump right yeah. in. Um, I feel like I'll, I'll, I have been, um, I think there's just been, at least this, just for me personally, there's over the last few months, there's been this interesting kind of two ends of trains of thought, I guess, of kind of all of this press and media around this exodus of talent and all these companies from service industries to corporations having a hard time attracting and retaining talent. And then kind of what the actual experience is, because actually my personal experience at my organization within my team is actually very different than that. So I think it's just been an interesting phase to kind of have like all this noise and this kind of narrative that's kind of different than what I'm personally experiencing. So um, yeah, just kind of like a overarching thought there to, to start off, not too in depth, but that's kind of what's been on my mind uh, over the last few months. What do you think, what do you think is, different at Pega? Like, I'm curious, like, why do you think that y'all maybe aren't experiencing some of the same things that a lot of other companies are? You know, I, I'm not sure. And I guess I, I, and I'd be curious to hear Libby's experience on kind of if people are leaving and um, so forth. Cause I, I also, I feel like it's not necessarily just a Pega thing. Like even just the people that I'm close with who work at other organizations don't seem to be experiencing quite kind of the gravity of kind of this, this storyline. Um, and it's not, not that it's not happening. I definitely think it is, but, um, so I think I also feel like over the last few months talking about time flying by really fast is, I don't know about any of you guys, but I also feel like things now move very slow. 
Like I almost feel like I'm working in mud and it's not like, it's just this, not that anyone's holding anything up or any, it's just, I don't know what it is. It just, it seems like, yeah, things are taking. So I don't know if it's just kind of people are giving themselves a little bit more space to kind of take the, the time that to kind of stepping away a little bit more. So not quite as responsive as normal. So it's just moving. Things are just moving a little bit slower. Um, and so that, that's part of the reason why people are able to stay and not feel like they have to jump. Um, but yeah, so, but that's just my experience. So I'll, I'll pass it over to Libby. <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool point, Sarah, because I've been thinking about that in the same way where there's so much in the news and that you see every day about the great resignation, all these, you know, 50% of the workforce is going to switch jobs or, or change um, at some point. And there's some of it where it's like, it might just be that anticipatory, we might see more changes than normal. I think there, there will be lots of changes, but is that a bad thing? You know, I think for a lot of people, it might be a really good opportunity for organizations to have new perspectives, to change the way in which they operate and their policies when they get exit feedback, all of that stuff too. At Expel, I would say similarly, it's it's not like hitting us in that same sense that you would almost expect after reading all of this stuff. I think what's what's difficult too is we are a small company, like just out of our startup phase. So it's also a very normal time to see a little bit more turnover than you're used to, you know, people who had been there like four or five years, like that's a very normal time frame in your career with a startup to take a new opportunity to go back to a smaller company or to take what you've learned and take a bigger role at another company, which are all things we, we expect, we want to see, and we celebrate. So it's hard to kind of tease out, is it, you know, the, the maturity and the growth and the phase we're at right now, or is it this great resignation more than anything. And I think for me, the way I'm trying to look at it is, okay, if, if and when we see resignations come through, what is the reasoning? Is there, it, would it have been preventable? Is it the right next step and something to celebrate? Or are there things that we need to really think about that we can do to change it? Because there's things like when you see people leaving because their offices are being like super demanding that they're com- they have to come back, you know, for the full week or stuff like that, that flexibility. Um, or maybe your compensation just isn't the same or like Google announcing that they were going to decrease salaries if you moved remotely um, away from the office. Stuff like that, I think is fully preventable. So I think the great migration, the way I'm trying to look at it would be things that you as a company, are you just not like coming to terms with the fact that you need to change yourself? <laughs> and, and that is what concerns me is, is if that becomes the reason why we start seeing people leave, because those are preventable aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we just got bit by the great resignation. We had one of our, mm-hmm. and we're a small, you know, in the grand scheme, we're a small, small company. And as a CEO, the people component is yeah. really hard for me. Losing people, you, sometimes I feel like employees don't, don't know how much is really invested, like how for, for leaders that care. And I, I really do care about the experience that, that every single employee at Workify has. I, you know, it, it really hits me hard when I lose a person and this one hit me particularly hard because it was a, a senior person at the company and I'm here blogging and, and doing podcasts, talking about the great, great resignation. And I'm like blindsided. I get bit by it. And I'm like, I should have known better. What could I have done differently? And the interesting, yeah, I was just listening to you guys talk and, you know, the exit, you know, we, you know, we had an exit interview and even though we're small, we follow all the best practices. And there was a survey that he completed before he left. And in our debrief, we kind of jointly concluded, like, actually, there were needs that he had that weren't being, he was looking for something new. And I think he realized through the summer months, so call it, you know, May, June, uh, July, that it was, it was time for him to start looking for something. And based on our conversation and my reflection, I realized like, 
the my needs and the company's needs weren't totally being met, but we were in this situation where he was a longtime employee and with COVID happening and coming together. And so there's like this mutual uh, reflection and agreement like, okay, this makes sense and, you know, super happy for you. And I can see where there's an opportunity for us mm -hmm. as a business to do things different, maybe even better. And, and he said it himself, like, I, you know, I see how this could actually benefit the company. And, and so that, mm -hmm. that migration effect, I think there is a way that we can look at, the, at this situation differently and, and see some positive, but it, it, it's still tough. Yeah. It is hard. And, and I think it's like, like you were saying, you know, our, what can we learn along the way and what changes can we make and, and what's in our control realistically with that? Um, our chief people officer, Amy, had a great term called bouncing forward. And rather than doing a lot of work around, you know, the great resignation and talking about it in that sense, we have kind of called it, let's bounce forward and let's focus Love on uh, four main areas, connection, recognizing the need for change, flexibility, and time off. So a lot of the work we've done since, especially April, I would say, has been focused around encouraging and putting guidance around team touchdowns. Like how can you get together? Maybe it's your team flies into our office, or maybe you have a handful of colleagues in your local area and you do something yourselves. Maybe it's a totally different thing, like giving you the flexibility and the trust of, hey, you know, here's some parameters for maybe like budget, but in general, do what works for you and your teams and think about these things along the way, rather than a forceful, like, you've got to be back in the office by this date. Time off, there has been such a push for time off, which has been really good to see, because I think that always helps. <laughs> and it gives you some perspective too, to reflect on like, okay, do I really, is this change more of this knee-jerk reaction because I'm reading about it all the time? Or do I really, really need a change? And then the like recognition of it all too, we, we've talked a lot about just having conversations with people on your team as a manager of like, what is a change that you're craving right now? Where do you want your next step after Expel to be? And what are things we could do that we can put together now so that your time here kind of has that need met? knowing that it might, there might be cases where we can't meet those needs and that's okay because then maybe you've surfaced something and you can work out an extended transition time that you might not normally have had, you know, and, and help backfill along the way. And it's just like a better process together. So trying to just bubble up those conversations and make them more normal now, which I think a lot of companies are going to start doing too, where it's no longer taboo, you know, to talk about your next step or what you really wanna do. Uh, it should be included in, uh, I, I was just listening to um, the podcast you you just recently put out too. And the idea, which I loved, um, was around asking in an interview, like, what is your job after this place? <laughs> and I was like, that is it. Like, th if those conversations happen more, so much of this would be avoided or it would feel good. And it wouldn't feel like the rug was pulled out from under you. People are leaving. We can't fill these slots. How is work going to get done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah, would just yeah. I'd just jump in on that. Um, just on some personal reflection I've had recently, I feel like, and not that this is spiritual or anything like that, but I, I feel like life is cyclical and that you go through different phases of your life and they kind of repeat because lately I've been feeling like a lot of similarities to high school. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm kind of living my high school life just I, I just very homebody, very connected to home, family relationships, um, little perks like going to Cumberland Farms to get coffee in the morning. That was like Dunkin' Donuts, like after school, like it's like become exciting again, which normally that would like, I would take for granted. And I've been thinking about this concept of high school and how you know, in comparison to work where you would go to high school and you would have a list of courses from math, English, gym, and you could take sports and then it would change after a semester. And then the next year it was different and you were exposed to different people. And then you enter the workforce and potentially it could be kind of stagnant for a long time, unless you're kind of proactive in doing that. So kind of my lesson learn from thinking about that is twofold and kind of to address your experience, Stephen, of um, 
for employers um, and leaders to kind of think about how can we create an experience for our employees, especially those who enjoy kind of diversity in what they're doing, being exposed to new people, new concepts, new courses. It doesn't necessarily have to be traditional learning. It could be new projects, things like that. But then also on the flip side, as an individual and kind of your career growth, it's kind of up to you to pursue, like, if you really want to take the calculus course, you know, you got to go and sign up for it. You got to go and and figure that out. And maybe that's within your own company. And I think that's, I think it it makes practical sense to try to make it work at your current, current organization, but there may be reasons to want to pursue that with an opportunity elsewhere. Um, so I think of kind of like framing our mindset like that. And that's very similar to that guest you had on recently about being part of this journey. Like we want to be the best part of your journey, whatever length of time that is. I thought that was a really cool concept and just really resonated to me as I'm thinking about being 16 years old again, for whatever reason, even though I'm in my thirties now. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a great way of describing the, the energy and so what happened, so we have a key person leave and it was one of those things that one option was, okay, we, we replace this person with a, someone with similar experience, similar skill set, or, you know, we open up the conversation to the current team and we first look at, okay, we now have, you know, a space for current team members to lean into areas that, you know, adjacent team members that can lean into aspects of the role. And what we found was we, we did need to bring some new team members on, but we we're the approach we're taking is we're bringing it, we're hiring someone, but a different skill set altogether that we feel has been missing from the team and the, the core components of the job that this individual was doing that, that has chosen to graduate from Workify we have distributed amongst, you know, current team members. And so perfect example, we have a, you know, a recent uh, grad who is doing analytics work and he, he's like, you know, I think I can take on the full stack. Like, I, I think I can like code and not only do analytics work, but get into, you know, the, the web stack, et cetera, et cetera. And so he is now like the full stack analytics engineer. And so that is, um, that's like one example of, you know, how we like created, you know, the, these new courses that you can sign up for and, um, and try to bring some, some energy and enthusiasm. You know, I think the, the trick is, and if I were to rewind, like, how could have I done that before someone leaves? Like, how do you create those opportunities? Not in a moment of, of like crisis or panic, right. But do that just like organically in the business. I think, Maybe that could have led to different outcomes, maybe not, but I do think that there's something there of like, I think that's an easy way, cultural way that you could create energy throughout the company and opportunity. I, I agree. So as somebody who just started a new role first week of August, uh, I think that something that my company does that I really like and I've enjoyed is they asked me like, okay, first 30 days, we don't really want you to do anything like any actual work we just want you to learn we want you to learn as much about the company as you can put together an analysis of of where you think we have some opportunities to to do better and then tell me like what you're excited about working on and i think that was the first step like tell me what you're excited about so you know for the first few weeks i was having conversations with my manager where she was you know explaining to me here are the things that need to get done but like what are you excited about like what are you excited to work on and together, we were able to prioritize my work and fit in both. And we do this monthly exercise that I've, I think is going to be really helpful, where each of us are asked to put together our list of our top five priorities for the month. And every month, it could be something different. And I, I feel like just going through this exercise allows us to you know, pick the top five things that both satisfy like what needs to get done for the business, but also like what we're interested in working on, like what, what's going to, you know, allow us to uh, satisfy that intellectual curiosity that we have. And 
I don't know. I, I just think that it, like you said, allows for that organic conversation to come up of like, what do you even want to work on? It could be something that might not even be within my realm, but I think would be really, really interesting to tackle. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if any of y'all have done anything similar to that, but it seems to be working. That's awesome. That seems like, I mean, that I think is the most practical approach and adding some time structure to it. The fact that you're having this monthly, I think whatever time frame makes sense if it's quarterly, I think annually is not enough. Um, but I think that that would be my kind of response um, would be an approach like that. So that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. That is just what job crafting, like 101 <laughs> right there and when going where your energy takes you on it. I'm really curious to hear kind of as um, the months go by too, how and when and if you have reflection points of what have I learned and a way to recap that. Because one thing that I always think about and, and kind of struggle with what the right answer is or approach to it too is a lot of companies are, are shifting and providing more of these opportunities, right? To focus your work on things that bring you energy, that align with your purpose, a uh, sense of meaning, to give you more opportunities to take on certifications, go to workshops, webinars, conferences, and it's all great and you do it, yet a lot of times, like you'll get your engagement survey back and learning and development will be kind of the lowest one. And I can't help but think it's because, it's, it's not necessarily because those opportunities aren't there, you haven't taken them, but they're easily forgotten about because the, the on-the-job learning feels like your day-to-day, -day, right? It's hard to stop and be like, whoa, okay, I've actually grown a ton in the last quarter, the last six months. So I'm always thinking about how do we actually show that so that, you know, when you're one, two years in and you're starting to feel like, oh gosh, like, yeah, I want more of this. And I'm, maybe it, it's that point where you're like, maybe I need a new job, but how can we better showcase? Actually, look at all that you have done. Look at all the opportunities you've taken. And there's even more. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to track that. Um, one thing that we talked, so we're a very new team in an idea that we had in our, our last uh, uh, marketing team meeting was that each month we would present our top five priorities for the month but then also reflect on the past month and talk about our learnings so that everyone on the team can, you know, uh, better understand what you're working on, what worked, what didn't work, why it didn't work. Uh, so I, I don't know. And it's easy to do this when you have a small team. I don't know how you scale this, uh, but I think that's how we're planning on tackling it. I love that. Yeah. What were your top five learnings? And hopefully that includes mistakes that had big learnings too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just another word for learning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So I, I want to go back, Libby, you mentioned something earlier that um, I keep seeing in the news and, you know, I circulated an article before, before this conversation, uh, just around the trend that companies are taking, um, to give like time off, whether it's, you know, a week around Labor Day or, you know, every other Friday or a day a month, you know, what, what are you guys seeing? Um, you know, generally, what are, if, do your companies have something similar in place? So, you know, what are your views on like, will this stick? Is it a fad? Is it really having an impact on, on burnout and some of the, uh, the exhaustion that employees, you know, have been, have been struggling with. What are your thoughts? I think time off is going to become, if it hasn't already become like on your Maslow hierarchy of needs, like more and more important and having it be more um, acceptable to take and easier to take and more approachable. However, I think time off only really works if you have solved capacity issues, because I think a lot of burnout stems from, you don't have enough people to do the work. And when you take time off, you're even more stressed because you're thinking about all the extra work you're gonna come back to. So I think while we need to address and update and upgrade our flexible time off policies kind of as a whole, and especially across the US, 
Um, I think capacity is probably a, a really big issue that companies need to focus on because if you're not fixing your teams, no matter what you offer time off or how many times you shut down your company, it's not going to really make someone feel better longer term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just, as a kind of partner to that, that capacity piece, I think the other thing that's really important to enable people to take time off or even not even just time off, like traditional take a week off or take a Friday off, but the ability to kind of like step away or maybe not have so many meetings that are kind of report out meetings. I think that can be really tiring to feel like you have to like prove yourself or um, is process and making sure things are, whether it be kind of software. So kind of thinking about, you know, what type of technology do you have that can basically like a monday.com or Asana or Trello kind of really leaning on technology to keep everyone on the same page um, and to kind of be like, for any Harry Potter fan, when Dumbledore, you know, takes his memory out of and out with his wand and puts it in the pensive, you know, just kind of like having work live somewhere safely that's not just in everyone's mind. So I think that's kind of the challenge to everyone within the organization to think about in addition to capacity, because obviously um, that's not going to work if you don't have enough people. Um, But then the other thing I've noticed in terms of this kind of time off and Pega hasn't instituted like a standard time off. We do have no meeting Fridays pretty regularly, which has been really nice. Um, And I think that's been a nice ease of ease of things. But what I've noticed is the cultural differences around the world and particularly in Europe and their view on vacation and time off. And I feel like with more people working from home and being able to connect with more people in different geographies across the U.S. and different regions and countries, I think we're going to see a blend of kind of this view on vacation that's maybe a little bit um, hopeful, is a little bit more European, and it's kind of like July 31st, see you September 1st. I kind of hope that becomes the attitude in the U.S. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I just, I think there's something to that. And I'm hoping that that will kind of, that attitude um, towards vacation, at least in Europe, for sure, hopefully will have a positive influence on other parts of the world. Yeah, I agree. I think that will be that and like that bigger conversation around, right? Like four day work weeks. I think that could be a big trend, but I loved what you were saying, Sarah, about a no meeting Fridays. We do once a quarter a week with no meetings. So you get your internal meetings down to as close to zero as you possibly can. Um, And that has been, we've done that now for almost a full year, like a really great way to pause and like chill out for a week. You, there's a lot more work that gets done but you have that time to connect with people you normally wouldn't, to go on that extra walk, to, to just feel like you can you know, take it at your pace and like truly do so that week, which has been, I think, one of the coolest changes I've, I've seen Expel make. So I think you know, one thing we wanted to talk about today was the employee journey and how the employee journey just needs to be completely redesigned if companies want to retain the talent that they have. So I'm curious, are y'all's companies doing anything different uh, or interesting with with the employee experience? Have y'all experimented with anything the past like six, seven months that maybe you thought wouldn't work and it's gotten pretty good results? Just curious. That's a great question. I can't say one specific thing that Pega has done just because being such a big organization, it's hard to do one blanket initiative. So different teams have been doing different things. Um, What has been on my mind is um, recognition and really helping to foster a culture of recognition. So I've been kind of on a roadshow of meeting with all different folks, um, managers to individual contributors to talk about the importance of pausing to reflect on the people who are having a positive impact on you and then saying thank you and making it a total norm that on any given day, you will give and receive thank you and appreciation. And so while that's kind of soft and not 
easy to measure. Um, I think just that mindset and idea that the company is really standing behind this idea of we just need to make sure we appreciate each other. Um, so that's one that, that's what I've been working on. So that's why it's very uh, on my mind. Um, but I don't have any other examples to share right now. <laughs> Sarah, do you feel there's been a really big shift in what recognition means since like so many folks have gone remote? Yeah. So what I've noticed, and so this, I do have data to back up. So we use a peer-to-peer recognition tool so we can keep track of people sending recognition and not all recognition happens on this tool. Um, It's basically like a Twitter feed where you just go in and you tag someone or a group of people and share your message. That also happens on team meetings and in emails. But what I've noticed is a strong increase, especially it, each month keeps increasing the volume of recognitions that are sent on the platform. And then our like big awards that are less frequent, like we have an employee of the month program, those are steady or have decreased each month in the number of nominations. So what I'm taking away from that, and I think that's actually a really great sign, is that people are moving to more frequent kind of smaller everyday thank you and recognitions. And it's just a little bit more top of mind every day. And that's Um, I think is actually just my personal opinion. I think you could argue that, oh, you know, supporting big company awards is really great, but I really think that's an indicator of like a strong culture of, of recognition. So I'm happy in that direction. (laughs) Um, so that's what I've seen uh, this year. I mean, that makes a lot of sense if I've got to imagine, well, I've, I feel like it's pretty safe to assume that most companies aren't having the big town hall, all hands meeting or like quarterly, because Mm -hmm. we just, you know, that's had to move to like a virtual equivalent of that. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder to execute on some of the traditional ways of recognizing. It just feels different. Right. And, and so I think that it makes a lot of sense how you would see a shift into uh, the smaller recognition, like these, yeah. the micro moments that matter, right. not just the big moments. Um, yeah. You know, for me, I, you, our conversation with you, Sarah, around recognition really stuck out with me and just the power of thank you. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that I have completely adopted in, in the way that I manage the company and the way that I manage my interactions and I don't, like I started, it was easiest with our full-time employees, but then I started, then I started, we have um, increased the number of like gig economy, like Upwork uh, contractors and freelancers that we're using. And we've been extremely successful um, in that aspect of our talent strategy. And th- if anywhere, I've seen the most power of just saying, thank you. I, I think my team is like, all right, Stephen, like we get it. Like we did a good job. Like cool like the metrics and we're we're killing it right now so like everything is clicking um with the company um but for the you know our freelancers and our contractors it's almost like they they can't believe i am thanking them for the job they're doing and we um and our contractors are are offshore and so we have a lot in the czech republic romania we have an entire like isn't fractional marketing team and the pride of ownership that I have seen in their work has just been incredible. And like today we had our, our check-in and they, I was sharing like a success. We're having a record quarter and they, they were just like, this is, it's just so amazing to be a part of this. And, um, and, and all of that, I believe really started with changing the way that I recognize employees and not being so assumptive that um that they that they they're getting kudos but like literally calling it out in every meeting like i'm grateful for what you do for the company and i can't thank you enough something that simple it has been really really powerful yeah just wanted to to hear that yeah i know this is and it's like it's so simple kind of i think not um underappreciated to show appreciation but I think it hits on two things. What it sounds like is happening 
in your particular example is that it's building connection. It's strengthening, strengthening the connection between those individuals and your organization. And then it's also, um, if you're being really specific and like individual call outs or kind of highlighting what the impact of specific work is, it kind of reinforces, it's just positive reinforcement, um, which I think is really great just for performance and motivation. So it's kind of touching on the culture piece and then the kind of management performance piece as well, which is cool. That's so exciting. I also think Sarah going off that um, thread too, it helps people see when it's specific, like you were saying, what they can replicate and continue to do and what others can do. And it just multiplies it by so much. It's really, really effective. It's like the easiest way <laughs> you can build culture and productivity and, and general happiness. Yeah. And I also think it ties to your earlier point, Libby, about learning and reflecting on your mm. own learning. And that's definitely something I need to do. I feel like, you know, this has just been such an unusual year and a half mm. and to like, and to reflect on that. And I think recognition, soliciting feedback, I think is really important to help reflect on that, but also when you've been called out for great work can kind of help solidify, okay, yeah, like I am really good at that. Or I took this on and it was new and I, um, you know, learned this from that experience. So it's like a nice, those are nice, like, keys to look to for um, reflecting on kind of what you learned from that experience when you get recognized. Yeah, a, a really cool story happened uh, this week, actually, on recognition. Um, I think like many folks in HR roles, it's been an especially tough, like, almost two full years right now, right? It's already an emotionally tolling and taxing role to be in. Uh, and then you add on the pandemic and just so many other factors that go into play. And I would say the last few weeks, maybe a couple months, I've had a lot of life come at me. I've had a lot of work come at me. Um, and it's been challenging um, in many ways. And I got a, a handwritten letter in the mail a couple of days ago from someone on um, our team who I've been coaching. And it was a, a couple sentences, just a very sincere thank you on the impact it had on, on them. Um, and, and how much of an example it was. And that stopped me in my tracks and truly like flipped my perspective and reminded me too of like why I'm doing these things and that connection to meaning. And it was right, took no time for that person to write it, probably what a couple cents to mail it and the impact that that had like was a game changer for me right now where I was at my, like my gas tank was totally empty. <laughs> um, so it, it, that type of stuff just goes so, so far. Um, and especially when you think about your HR teams too, who I think are <laughs> desperately feeling like, do I even want to be in HR right now? And, and what does that career path look like in the future as well? Which is probably a whole nother hour podcast for, <laughs> for that topic. It really does make a big difference. Uh, so I keep going back to my, I guess my onboarding experience, but we have this internal tool that will ping us when it's somebody's anniversary. So whether it's me having my one month anniversary or somebody on the team having their one year anniversary, and it says something to the effect of, Hey, you know, Daniel's been here for a month, take a moment to recognize him for the great work that he's done in his first month. And it was just such a great feeling logging in that morning, I guess the, the first day or the, uh, my, my 30 day mark and getting an email from our internal tool with really nice comments from everybody on my team. And it does, I think it, going back to what you said, it, it just gives you that energy boost because some days, you know, depending on what we have going on in our personal lives, or maybe we feel a little bit stressed about how much work we have to get done. It's easy to feel, I guess, drained. And it's always nice getting that little recharge. Yeah, completely, completely. So nice, so nice. Yeah. Um, something that Libby, you mentioned that I wanted to, uh, you know, we're, we HR people, you know, are just a function of our day jobs. It can be very, very exhausting. And we are quickly, you know, exiting Q3 and entering Q4. 
And I'm just curious, like what, you know, at bigger companies that I've worked at, we've always called that the people quarter because we're either like budgeting or headcount planning yeah. or performance cycles. And I'm just curious, like what, uh, what you guys have on the radar going into Q4, what do you think? Any, any new trends or things that, uh, that HR teams are going to be, you know, critically focus on heading into uh, the end of the year? Yeah, we have one in it. it that question plus, Daniel, what you had asked around um, kind of new employee journeys and stuff like that. So what, what we've kind of been slowly pushing the accelerator down on and we'll probably continue to go into Q4 and into next year on is um, internal mobility and really promoting more of like use our company as a way to try out something new, to put your hat in the ring, to think about if, if you know, you want a real change and it's not, you know, necessarily upwards, there's a whole set of other options for you here. And really, I think Q4, we're going to kind of dive deeper into, okay, what does that really mean here? <laughs> How would you do that? How do you have those conversations? What's our actual process? Um, how do we make it easier for people and how do we celebrate that more and go back to rec recognition? Like we've actually had a lot of really cool folks move around the company this year. Um, and we want to celebrate that, acknowledge it and just continue to encourage it because I think that's another way that you can get on top of things like, you know, the, the changes that people are craving, um, as well as you're getting towards the end of the year. You know, a lot of people might be thinking, oh, you know, good time to start fresh in the new year. Maybe you can start fresh at the same company, just in a totally different role and team too. Love it. Yeah, it's those cycles that Sarah was talking about, right? It's like yeah. the annual cycle of, you know, reflection. Oh, I'm feeling like I need something new. So that it's like perfect timing to be doubling down on that, on your internal mobility initiative. Sarah, anything on your side? Yeah, it's similar. We are definitely, we're, rethinking even how we phrase kind of year-end assessments or evaluation and thinking more about cultivation. So how do we enable and kind of cultivate talent rather than assess talent? Um, so I think that'll be a little bit more of a um, kind of two-way conversation at the end of the year between some, a person and their manager. Um, so yeah, so that's really the, the overarching change that we're having end of this year going into next year of kind of rather than evaluating we're going to cultivate <laughs> well, so yeah, that's a just, go ahead no, I, I was going to do a shameless plug uh for anybody listening go back and listen to libby's episode where she talks about performance enablement um yeah i think that's what you're talking about right sarah mm -hmm. going yep. through the same process that was all i was going to say nothing important <laughs> Oh man, I, I, it, we've had so many great conversations. Kudos to Daniel in terms of recognition for remembering that the details of that, yes. that great conversation we had with Olivia. Um, well, we are nearing time. Again, these hours just go by so fast. Um, and one of the questions that we've been asking to wrap things up for our group conversations is um, a little different to, to our wrap up questions and the one-on-ones, but um, just curious um, how you guys will answer this. When we look back in 10, 15 years, what do you think will be the most notable shift related to how we work? So fast forward 15 years, looking back, what do you think will be the most notable shift you know, that we take away from everything that's happened last 18 months? You'll be 60, Stephen. <laughs> why do you have, why do you have to do me like that everyone I'm thinks sorry. we're brothers but uh he just has to create that separation oh man Amazing. true i i think in in 10 to 15 years i think it's definitely going to be a true norm of this concept of flexibility kind of work anywhere work anytime we're definitely not there yet as we've seen with many companies saying you got to get back to New York City or wherever it is. Um, so, but I think that we're going to get there. And I think if someone wants to work from 6 p.m. to midnight or whatever, I think that's going to start to happen. Um, the other thing that just in terms of reflecting on this time frame, I think we're going to look back and go, 
why were we struggling through this? <laughs> why was it so hard? And this whole, I, and I think that's going to be, um, I hope, I hope we'll all laugh at this and maybe people already are, um, kind of laughing at this situation, but it's, it's definitely, this has proven kind of the back to work has proven to be so hard in, and definitely way harder than the just going remote that I think we just need to calm down and recognize we don't have to, we don't really have to change this. Let's embrace it and go with the flow. Um, and, and not kind of fight it so intensely that I think some people are. So. Yeah. I like that. Go, go with the flow. It, it, it reminds me of, uh, so Steve Cadigan, who we had on the last episode in his book, he talks about how the worker of the future has to almost be somebody that is constantly, you know, doing improv. And it reminded me of you, Sarah. I know that <laughs> you're a big, you know, comedy person. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Go with the flow. Yep. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yes. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, yeah, uh, that was a great conversation. So we've been doing this. Oh, whoa, whoa. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let Libby off the hook because she didn't answer All right. the 15 year <laughs> look back question. Cool. I think, uh, like Sarah, I think the the number of days and the hours we work are going to look significantly different. I I hope that we are beyond the Monday through Friday nine to five. I hope it's less and I hope there is more of a priority on life outside of work and like truly meaning it. So kind of moving closer to that European style of working um, for one big thing. Um, I think we're also potentially going to see a flop of skill sets. So right now you have skill sets uh, like, like the technical skills, right? Product management, engineering that are so hot skills right now. People are paying premium salaries for those roles. It is like the high and mighty. I think those more nuanced skill sets influencing being able to have very difficult conversations, like crucial conversations and navigating that I think is going to become the most sought after skill set uh, that you can have because it is going to be a continuation of things are going to keep being thrown our way. <laughs> and being able to adapt, being able to know how to say things, communicate change and lead through that. I, I think across all types of industries and roles and levels, that's going to become something that is, I think, valued a lot more uh, than it, it, it is right now. Yeah, I, I agree on both points. I, I really do believe that, that human capital or the workplace, like whatever you want to call that, the way we work, we're like going through our our Amazon moment where right now it seems like, you know, Amazon launched an online bookstore and people are like, eh, like there's no way they're going to be Barnes and Noble and Borders Books and like yada, yada, yada. And then looking back, everyone's like, holy shit, that was so obvious. Like, how could we not disrupt all of retail? Because it's just such a better way of doing it. Like, I honestly think we're going to look back at the way we work and they're going to be, there's going to be some carnage out there. I, I think, cause I think there are going to be a lot of companies that hang on to the old way of doing things. And, um, and then it's just going to become like uns unsustainable. And there may be some industries that stay, you know, that, that have to stay, you know, the way they are. But, um, but I think that, you know, just reflecting on Sarah, your, your point that like, we're going to look back and we're like, why are we stressing out? And why were we resisting so hard? Cause it's like so obvious and so much better. Um, and yeah, I, I like what you shared Libby. Um, there's something that Steve mentioned last week, Steve Cadigan, um, about agility, uh, like the, the agility quotient and, um, you know, talent needing to be more agile in the way they do things. And I think some of the core skills that you're talking about, like if you, more people are going to have those skills and it's going to be about how we leverage them in our roles, whatever the functional or technical role is. So yeah. like, will HR even be HR anymore? Or is it just going to be a consulting type role or, or you're on any team and you're the one navigating the comms and stuff like that too? Like HR might go away. Now we're talking. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't really. I hadn't think even about considered that. 
<laughs> yeah, the way the, the way I'm we're trying to look at it right now is um, on the team I'm on is like we're we're consultants, you know, and and we can move into different teams and do different projects depending on what's going on. And I was like, that is that what's going to happen too in the future with all of this stuff? It's not going to be a like a GNA type function for much longer. I just can't see how that would stay the same. It's like every every team would have their own like mini head of people almost. Yeah. Well, since Daniel pointed out how old I am, I will say <laughs> that I remember a day when there was like HR in the business and then there was this whole HR transformation to like centralize HR with like general uh, business partners and so it would be it would be ironic if it went the back. future ends up yeah and not surprising because things again are cyclical so yeah we're going on another hr cycle that's what this yeah. that's the theme of this episode <laughs> that is the theme of the there we go there we go so Don't on, that the note, flow on the life yeah. cycles <laughs> we all need to read our like astrology charts after this yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that like was every seven vibe. years we are yeah. like renewed or something like that i don't know <laughs> You stole my you stole my one word close. I'm gonna have to think of something different. Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna say go with the flow okay. in the cycle. There you go. You took it. You took it. Yeah. So yeah, we we like to wrap these these conversations with one word uh, close. Uh, or Daniel, or you a phrase could be a phrase. You go first, Stephen. You already went first, but I I'll go with hashtag cycles. That's my my close. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to top this. Libby, do you have an answer? It was something you said earlier, Sarah, but I feel like I'm back in high school. <laughs> like that was just... High school. <laughs> it, nice. it just was fun to, okay. to hear you explain it in that way. It was great. Yeah, that actually, okay, that just made me think of my phrase is that um, I'm going to be happy again about my little iced coffee. <laughs> my once a week iced, iced coffee. coffee. Yes. yes. There you go. So, Yes. Being happy with the little things rather than taking them for granted. All right. I got a new one for y'all. Uh, I don't know if y'all have seen True Detective or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Time is a flat circle. And if I had a Lone Star beer, I would crush it. Wow. This is getting so meta. I love that. It is. It is. All right. Well, thank you so much. You know, we're going to invite you back again. So I hope you will take us up on the offer again to rejoin us because this has been such a great conversation and a lot of fun. So thanks. Thank Thank you you both. both. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everyone.